I always start these messages with like the thing that needs to be cut off from the podcast. So that also, Terrence, please cut that from the podcast. Um, hey, I just I was talking to, um, talking to somebody this week, and I just uh, wanted to throw this out for our GRX community. Um, just a, a quick word about uh, phones, actually. Um, if you feel like in the midst of the message, uh, it would be helpful for you to uh, take your phone out and um, take some notes, uh, please feel free. Go ahead. A, a part of my preaching and the way I give a message is, is actually as a teacher. I'm trying to teach our community about Scripture, about God's Word. And sometimes there's a lot of material. And please just don't feel self-conscious at all. Uh, you pull out your phone if you need to take notes, things like that. When Pastor Ali is preaching, um, sometimes I will pull out my phone because it helps me to track and uh, to catch some things that I want to catch uh, verbatim. Now, I know sometimes people in a context like this might feel a little bit uh, worried, pulling out your phone. What are other people going to say? Um, are you afraid of what other people might think of you? Don't worry about that. Just don't worry. Our big theme for this year is faith over fear. Uh, just release being controlled about what other people might be thinking about you. Just feel free to pull out your phone. Now, if you are checking uh, football scores, or uh, if you're playing uh, Candy Crush, or you're trying to pick up uh, Pikachu or whatever, um, that's, a, that's something different. Uh, but I do want our community to just live in freedom, to learn in freedom. So feel free to do that if you need to. All right, today we are in Romans. Uh, we are in the eighth message in a series of messages this fall going through the book of Romans. And we're going to be focusing on Romans 10, and the topic for today is sharing our faith, because uh, Romans 10, and particularly a part that I'm looking at in the center, is about sharing our faith. Um, what I will do just to teach us as a community through the book of Romans, this uh, today is actually the only time we're going to spend uh, at all focusing um, any attention on Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. Next week, we're going to jump right into Romans 12. It's a lot of material. We don't have time to look at everything, but I do want to give us a bit of a framing around 9, 10, and 11. We'll look particularly at 10 in sharing our faith, but it sits within chapters 9, uh, 10, and 11. So as we talk about sharing our faith, which is the theme for today, the bigger umbrella, the bigger uh, idea that 9, 10, and 11 are, are around is this larger single primary issue, inclusion. The Apostle Paul in these three chapters is concerned about inclusion, how are people included in the family of God? And if you want to follow along in your own Bibles, I would encourage you to do that. I'm going to read something very briefly out of 9 and then something out of 11. And then eventually when we get to 10, that will be up on this slide. You can think of 9 and 11 sort of like bookends with 10 in the center. And 9, on the one hand, is about the Jewish people how the Jewish people are included originally in the family of God. And so Romans 9, verse 4 through 5, is where the Apostle Paul lays out 
The Jews are the ones that are included. So Romans 9, 4 through 5, I'm going to just read that for us. It says this. They are Israelites. That's the Jews. And to them belong the adoption and the glory and the covenants. Those are the promises of God. The giving of the law. That's the Torah. The Ten Commandments. They were first given to the Jews. The worship. That was the temple in the Old Testament. And the promises, all the promises of of the Old Testament. Those were all given to the Jews. And then it says in verse 5, to them belong the patriarchs, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those are the patriarchs, and from their race, the Jewish people, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. Jesus Christ is Jewish. He came from that line. So that is the first inclusion. That's all chapter 9. That's the first bookend. They were included in the family of God. And if you skip over to chapter 11, he talks about how all the rest of us get included. And he talks about that in terms of being included like we are being grafted in. And here the Apostle Paul uses an agricultural imagery. Olive trees were all over the Mediterranean world. And so he talks about how the Gentiles, who are the non-Jews, the Gentiles are grafted in to the tree of the olive tree. He talks about grafting. It's, it's, we don't do too much agriculture now, but if you go down to Home Depot and you go to their garden section, you can buy an apple tree. And it, you can get four kinds of apples on this apple tree. Because what they've done there is they've taken branches from different types of apples, and they've grafted them onto the main stem of the tree. They've, they've, uh, they've fused these different branches into the tree. And that's what the Apostle Paul talks about for all of the non-Jewish people, how we all got included, all of us Gentiles, all of, that's the term in the first century for non-Jewish people, all of us got grafted into the original olive tree. And so if you go all the way to chapter 11, verse 17 to 20, the Apostle Paul says, this is how all the rest of you guys got included. So Romans 11, 17 to 20 says this. But some of the branches of the original tree were broken off, and you, all you Gentiles, all of us, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, and now share in the, nourish, in the nourishing root of the olive tree, the olive tree as God's family. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. Like as, as followers of Jesus, don't be arrogant towards the Jewish people. If you are, uh, if you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. It's God who supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's what us as non-Jewish people say. Branches were broken off that we were grafted in and included. And then the Apostle Paul concludes this section by saying, that is true. That is true. So you get nine, the inclusion of the Jewish people in God's family, and then you get 11, it's the inclusion of all the rest of us. That is nine, 10, and 11. And in the middle of that is 10. In the middle of that, the Apostle Paul thinks it very important 
that we understand as non-Jewish people what it means for us to share our faith. What it means to share our faith. Because that is actually the entire ministry of the Apostle Paul. He went all around the Mediterranean area sharing the faith of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to all the non-Jewish people. Think about yourself for just a moment in the whole arena of sharing our faith. We all, at one point, have heard the story of faith. Right? I mean, I kind of look out, I don't really know of everybody's ancestry, but from what I understand, I think there's only like maybe one person here that is partially Jewish, and all the rest of us are grafted in. But do you remember when you first heard about Jesus? In your own story, do you remember when you first heard about Jesus? Were you a little kid and somebody at Sunday school shared Jesus with you? Maybe a Sunday school teacher? Or did you go to an event or a big concert and there was a speaker? Or was it a good friend who came alongside you and loved you and shared the love of Christ with you in words and through actions? How did you hear? How did you hear? Because that's what the Apostle Paul gets to. How did you get included in the family of God? How did someone share faith with you? And he looks at sharing our faith. We'll get into this in Romans 10, verses 8 through 17. And then I'll give two reflections. What is the message? What is the message of sharing our faith? And how do we share it? What and how? What's the message and how do we share it? So Romans 10, 8 through 17 says this. This will be up on the screen for us. Thanks, George. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. It's out of Deuteronomy 10. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, he's talking about the Gentiles. How do the Gentiles get grafted in? If you believe and you confess, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who who believes in him will not be put to shame. To reference out of Isaiah 45. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. We're all included. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's out of the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2. Everyone, Jew and Gentile, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the message. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's Isaiah 52. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Sharing our faith. 
Jews, for the Gentiles, that we all might be included. So there's two critical questions I want to ask out of this passage. What is the message? And how do we share it? What is the message? Actually, that's very simple. This will be a very, very simple point. Um, If you're reading along, you know, you're a good student, you kind of quick back, read through. What is the message? You can find it right in Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. That's the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's super easy. If you want to be a little bit more advanced, you can use also Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. It's really simple. Believe, confess. It's so simple. In the life of Jesus Christ, when he was dying on the cross, there was a very, very simple confession of faith that happened. And it was with the criminal who was crucified right next to Jesus. It's very simple. The good news can even be for a criminal. The criminal who's been crucified next to Jesus, he was there and he was dying and he looks over to Jesus and it says in Luke chapter 23, the criminal turns to Jesus and says this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. They were both dying. Jesus was dying and the criminal was dying. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus reassures that criminal. And he says, truly I say to you, amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Now, there are some people who will object to this message. Like a common objection that I hear is it's really restrictive. That's too restrictive. Um, Now, I kind of sense that sometimes people that say that, they're underneath that, there's kind of a control issue underlying that. But there's a story um, of a pastor who was flying on an airplane, and uh, he kind of encountered this a little bit. And, you know, if you're a pastor and you're flying on an airplane, you run into all kinds of very funny stories. Because you sit down and you're, you, you have a row, a uh, couple people in your row, and sometimes you do a little small talk, and, and, you know, they say, oh, well, what do you do? You know? Now, there's always this critical moment for a pastor when someone asks, what do you do? Because you could sort of take the, like, I don't think I really want to talk to this person. And you can say, oh, I work for a nonprofit. But you could really go for it as a pastor. And you could say, oh, I'm a pastor. Now, um, now only pastors will really know this. As soon as you say that, you all of a sudden expose yourself to their entire history. Now, you might get someone who's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk to you. I think you can read my mind. You sometimes get someone who's very angry at the church, and they're about to take it out on you. And, and if you're flying to New York, you are in a world of hurt. And, and you, you can get yelled at. Um, you might get someone who you don't know their history, but they've got something, and they just start confessing to you. And you're sitting there receiving their confession. Or they have some kind of theological problem with the church. 
And so there's this pastor, and he was flying into a large metropolitan area like, um, like San Jose. And he said, oh, I'm pastor. And, you know, the guy said, you know what I hate about the church? <laughs> you know? He was like, yeah, what do, you, what do you hate about the church? He goes, you have to take it, right? You're pastor, right? You have to be like Jesus. All right? So you have to, all right? Uh, all right, so, um, and you know what I hate about the church? It's so restrictive. I mean, Jesus, right? You just have to be Jesus. And, and, and the, the pastor goes, you know, that's very interesting. Pastor will go, if you're trying to scramble and think of an answer as a pastor, you go, that's very interesting. <laughs> and then you go, you know, um, and the pastor said, you know, that's, that's a little bit, that's, yeah, it's restrictive. Yeah, it, it is restrictive. You can say that. But think about it. It's a little bit like our pilot, you know, flying into San Jose. And that pilot could be flying the plane and getting over the metropolitan area and coming into the Bay Area and go, you know, I, I know that there's this airport down here in San Jose and I'm supposed to put this uh, plane down in the airport. That's too restrictive. Look at this. I look down. There's the 880. There's the 101. There's, there's, there's like lots of concrete down here. The airport is way too restrictive. I'm going to put this plane down anywhere in San Jose. I'm going to put it down anywhere. There's a right way to put the plane down in San Jose. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Jesus Christ. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. It's really simple. That's the message. But then how do we share the message? What is the message? How do we share it? And here I'd like to say that the medium is the message. How we share the message. We have a message of love and grace and forgiveness and acceptance in Jesus Christ. And so then, the way that we share our message should also be coupled with the grace and the forgiveness and love that we have in Jesus Christ. We don't win people into the kingdom by judgment or by punishment. That's what I've been talking about earlier, the katakrino, the judging down on someone. You don't, you don't win someone to the kingdom through judgment, through a turn and burn sort of approach uh, to, um, to winning people into God's family. That's why um, I don't think that ever really works. Um, you get somebody on a street corner that is yelling down judgment and fire and brimstone and anger. I don't think it's what, uh, I don't think it's fear that compels people into the kingdom. I, I don't see Jesus doing that. Aggression, dominance, overbearing, judgmental. Um, sometimes some criticisms I've heard against Christianity are that Christians are really judgmental and dominant and overbearing. And I think their criticism might be even well-founded. It was certainly their experience. But that's not the Jesus way. When you read Jesus, the way he brings in, and especially the Gentiles, the way he brings them in to the kingdom is love and grace and patience, slow to speak, quick to listen, interested in people. And that's why Isaiah says, how beautiful are the f- on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your 
God reigns. There's a, a person that I've had the pleasure of getting to know. Um, she was really involved with evangelism uh, on the sort of in the U.S. all over, um, and uh, she uh, wrote a number of books on evangelism. She tells this funny story. I mean, she's an evangelist herself. One time, she was at a uh, stoplight, and her window was down, and there was a car that pulls right up next to her, and the window gets wound down, and you know she doesn't really think of anything of it, and she's just waiting for the light to turn green, and then all of a sudden, whack! Some like thing hits her in the face, and she's like, "What? What is that?" It's like something flew in through the window, and um, and then and then the light turns green, and the car next to her like speeds off, and she looks down in her lap, and it's a little pamphlet on Jesus. <laughs> we we are calling that drive-by evangelism. Think, don't do that. That's not a good witness. That's, that's not the Jesus way. This is the Jesus way. Preach the good news. Preach the good news. And what this means is both in word and deed. Because the word that the Apostle Paul uses here, preach, caruso, it means to announce something publicly. Word and deed. Word and deed. If you're dating somebody and you're really excited about dating somebody, you like found somebody you're really excited about, how do you announce that? How would you announce that publicly in word and deed? There's a word way to do it. You can let people know. You can get all your friends together and go, hey, I've met this really great person and we're dating now. That's in word. You can announce it publicly. But there's another way. You can announce it by deed. And any of you old school people out there who used to do text messaging, um, there's a way that you can announce it by deed. You're going out with this person, you can do HHWW. If you know what that is in text language, like LOL, like that's the text. HHWW, holding hands while walking. Right? That's what that means. You can display and you can publicly display your affection. You can be walking with this person. You don't have to announce that you're going out with them. You're not dating them. But you're just like, next time you get together with your friends, you're just like holding hands with this other person. And then other people go, look at that. Look at that. I'm not going to pick on anybody, but look at that. Vic and Alana are holding hands. Look at that. All right, it's announced. They don't have to use any words. It's just by action, by deeds. That's what it means to preach the good news. We can use words. And that's what is, our, what is our message. Our message is if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Our message is everyone who calls on the, word, the name of the Lord will be saved. Our message is John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved the world. Our message is that children's song. Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. That's our message. It's very simple. That's the word. And then indeed, how do I proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? We can proclaim it in action. We can proclaim it in action. Gratitude is an action. We can be grateful for forgiveness, for relationships, for friendship, not entitlement. Entitlement leads to bitterness. But we can be grateful in gratitude 
we can be grateful for the small things, for the big things, for health, for our parents, for friends, for love, for God. It is a life of gratitude that preaches the love of God. We can proclaim publicly our good news of Jesus Christ through being a non-anxious presence. A non-anxious presence preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. When something happens, maybe something unexpected, are you anxious and worried and add into the anxiety? Or are you a non-anxious presence? The life of Jesus, Jesus was a non-anxious presence, trusting in the Father for all things. The love of Jesus Christ is seen in the way that Jesus trusted the Father. And our lives as followers of Jesus, when we live in the assurance of God's provision for us, we can live in the confidence of the care of God for our lives. We can put our anxiety aside. We can live as non-anxious people. That is good news for our culture. There's generosity. We can live in hope. All of these things, all of these, we can live in faith. We can live in patience. All of these things are ways that our very lives preach our love of Jesus Christ. Jesus loved the world and loved people into the kingdom in both word and deed. And when I look at our community here at JRX, you guys are doing a great job. You guys are doing a great job. I think when people come and experience our community here, they get that they are accepted for who they are. They get that they're welcomed for who they are. We certainly share about Jesus Christ and all the different stuff that we do. But you guys as a community are just great at loving people, not with judgment, but loving people into the kingdom. I think there's some really exciting things that God's going to do with us this year. Faith over fear, stepping out, living into the kingdom. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you for what you're doing in this community how your good news is being proclaimed in this community in word and in deed, in word in the good news of Jesus Christ and in deed in the generosity of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for your grace and love being proclaimed here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.